0: Hey, I'm Amar Chohan,
1: and I'm Charlotte Williams. Thanks for tuning in to Love Hate Create.
0: We speak to the smartest people from across the advertising industry to find out what they love about it, what they hate, and what change they want to create. Our guest today is Rania Robinson. Rania is the CEO and partner at Quiet Storm, the agency uh, which has been going since 1995 and was founded by uh, an acquaintance of yours, I think, Rania. Um, Yes, Yeah, close acquaintance. (laughs) (laughs) A very close (laughs) acquaintance. Rania is also the president of Wackle, um, which is the Women in Advertising and Communications Leadership Group. And she's also the founder of Create Not Hate, which sounds like love, hate, create. Um, But Create Not Hate is a not-for-profit organization which uh, is aimed at helping young people who are underrepresented in the creative industry unlock their potential and uh, to increase the levels of diversity in the advertising industry. Really excited to have you on the show Rania, welcome to the uh, podcast.
2: Thank you.
1: Welcome Rania. So I'm going to kick us off um, then with a um, double-edged question if you like. Um, First of all, what would you say your proudest um, and darkest moments have been in your advertising career? Let's start with your proudest, shall we?
2: Proudest, okay. I think, I mean, I've got, to honestly, there's been a lot of um, proud moments recently, in all honesty. So I struggled a bit to sort of pull one thing out. But I guess, um, kind of having given it a lot of thought, and I think there's lots of sort of similar sort of themes that that kind of consistent themes that come up on the things that I'm most proud of. And I think um becoming an employee owned trust is probably um symbolic of of a lot of the things that I'm really proud of, which is very much around kind of equity and and and, and fairness and equality and um equal opportunities and all that sort of stuff. And I think becoming an employee owned trust uh, back in I think it was October but it was two years, it'll be three years this October. So what's that, 2020? It was during lockdown, like that kind of lockdown yeah. period. Um, I think for me was a kind of real stake in the ground in terms of how much um, having kind of equitable business models really kind of mean to myself and Trevor and and I think um, was, was kind of, yeah, I guess a sort of business-led um, action that, that kind of really solidified that thought. And I think um, there's lots of reasons why we chose um, that employee ownership model but I think one of the things that really motivated us more than anything was um, creating an opportunity for our staff to to benefit from the hard work and the hard graft that goes into uh, being part of um, an advertising agency or, or a creative agency and which we know you know um, can uh, involve a lot of personal sacrifice and a lot of hard work so um, giving people the opportunity to part benefit from that was something that was really important to us.
1: It's great, isn't it? Because we talk about equity so much in the context of diversity, equity, inclusion, which, of course, is a huge topic. Um, and you are literally giving, you know, it is equity, literally, isn't it, really? Being part of yeah, an, it only...
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, what it basically does is means that the future profits of the business, obviously, there is a kind of. Um, ex-shareholder kind of sale and 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 kind of valuation that happens I'm not gonna it's not entirely 100% altruistic but you know which is obviously a culmination of the 30 years work that Trev's put into the business and and then the years that I've been helping drive the business but it's a future model where um, all of the staff can benefit from the future profits of the business um, you know once the ex-shareholders are paid back so they're what they're building something that they'll go on to benefit from very personally. They have a personal vested interest in it, and that's you know that's also a huge benefit to clients as well because they've got people who are really invested um you know everybody not just a core team of people that the 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 shareholders or the the or usually the founders of the business it's kind of everybody in the business has got a personal vested interest in in making business a success, which is about making your clients' business a success at the end of the day so it's kind of win all for round. for attracting and and retaining staff i would imagine yeah absolutely and i think the proof is in our kind of retention rate we've got an average five to six year uh retention rate which is really unusual for the industry particularly given the kind of churn rates that we're seeing at the moment as an industry and we we know we're regular features in best places to work lists for campaign and i think that's that's a lot of that's got to do with the the model that we've got and the culture um which is basically the you know the models come off the back of the culture the, the the agency culture so yeah
0: and do staff reap some of the benefit in that kind of time frame then, um, or is it any longer yeah, I'm term incentive?
2: Yeah, the immediate benefit is that they benefit from tax free bonuses. We've always done profit share, uh, um, uh, um, kind of profit share dimension. We did we did that before the employee ownership trust, but the immediate benefit is they get you know big chunk of that tax free immediately. And then as time goes on those bonus the bonus opportunities get bigger and bigger and the payouts and the share um the the kind of dividends um become you know much more generous because um technically once the once the debt is paid off to the shareholders the staff benefit from future profits basically so it's ultimately a longer term more equitable model and we know with any business i think you know it takes years before you often see the benefits of, of your hard labor so it's not an unusual. Um, you know, kind of model, uh, even for sort of staff who've been with the business for a while, to know that they're working towards something where they're going to eventually get that kind of um, kind of, they're going to sort of reap the benefits of that that effort in a more meaningful way. Um, yeah, we've always, like I said, we've always had a kind of profit share component to the business anyway, but it's just more more generous, immediately generous, and in the long term, hugely more generous. Yeah, I love, I love yeah.
1: that. I love the whole philosophy and ethos behind that, and there aren't actually that many. I'm guessing there are more popping up, but there aren't many ad agencies, it who have a that kind of partnership equity model.
2: No, I mean I think I'd struggle to name one to be honest with you. There's, I mean, there's lots of businesses that have got it. Obviously, John Lewis is probably the most famous yeah. one. Richard, um, Richie, Richie, Richard, Richie, Richie Sounds or Richard. Sounds oh yeah richer sounds yeah yeah that's it and then there's a few others and there are there are definitely some businesses that that have got that model but i i like i said i'd struggle to name a creative agency um that that has it so but it, it just worked for us it just felt right for us yeah now tell us about your
1: darkest moment we can go into more of your proudest moments later but what what's your lowest in your career
2: I think probably the darkest moment is when I had my children and thought, well, had my first child probably is when it really dawned on me that I might have to reconsider my career options, I guess. And I think it was a dark moment because I felt suddenly having given up a huge part of myself, my life, um, to an industry, to a business or, or a number of businesses um to sort of suddenly feel like not not worthless cause that that but to but to feel like that investment that that sacrifice the hard work sort of potentially not pay you know not pay dividends if you like i think for me it was a really dark moment because it made me really question my feelings towards the industry, whether it was a part, of an industry I wanted to be part of anymore, whether I was, you know... And it's the first time for me it was quite a big deal because I've grown up my whole life not... I mean, you know, feeling like, definitely feeling limitations in certain areas, but not necessarily as a woman because I grew up in a very sort of female-led household. I lost my dad when I was very young. Um, my brother I was off to uni by the time I was nine, so, you know, I was, I was you know, raised by strong sort of single mum really and uh, you know I had a my sister as well so just a couple of years um age gap from me I'd gone to an all-girls grammar school a very sort of selective very ambitious school that was you know promoted women in science education it was you know during the Thatcher era so wow before it's time (laughs) yes (laughs) really before it's time it was like really ambitious progressive school so I never felt like I couldn't as a woman like achieve anything because i had like you know all this female strong female kind of um role modeling around me i mean obviously you can there's there's many things that that should, you know didn't do right but just seeing a woman in the biggest job in the country does some you know says something to you as a young girl uh as well as everything else so that was the first point that i felt like actually as a woman i i had i i had fewer opportunities than men like and um, and you know Yeah, no, I I mean, I think,
1: and I'm seeing so much about this at the moment, I think maybe because it's so pressing in terms of the manifestos for the main parties, right? In the next election, they're talking a lot about childcare. I think we've got the most expensive childcare system in the world or second most, or is it in the OECD? Either way, one of the most expensive in the world. Um... And so that's a massive barrier, the motherhood penalty, the pension penalty, all sorts of barriers. But what was it specifically about becoming a mum that made yeah. you think, I don't know if I can do this?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't like the financial aspects of it. I was, I'm, I was fortunate to be in a relationship where my partner between us, we could fund really good childcare yeah. with, with our salaries. It, for me, it wasn't that. It was what I'd seen in the businesses I'd worked in as to what happened to, to women when they had children. You know, it was a very kind of unconscious... It wasn't even something that was that, like, conscious, if you like, until I was in that position. But what you'd see is these women who were doing, you know, unbelievably well in these businesses, um, you know, you see being getting to a certain level, going off having children, coming back in a sort of slightly different role, and then before you know it, they've sort of suddenly disappeared. So there was this kind of very kind of unconscious but you know became very conscious of at the time that I was in that position myself that actually there was a limit to your career opportunities when you had children so that's just what I saw through what I was experiencing around me so my view was just like okay well that's it I can't do both I'm not going to be able to and also the hours I I was working crazy hours and I felt like well I can't I have to make a sacrifice here and I'm not willing um so 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 i took a different sort of well i questioned my whole you know whether it was the right industry for me at all whether it was something i even wanted to to be part of anymore could i do the the you know could i progress could i do well in in, an, in the industry at all um but then you know what i did is i shifted out of that mentality and went more towards freelance and we know that a lot of women do but they'll go off and set up their own businesses or they'll go off and freelance or look at you know alternative kind of career paths so I ended up going more the freelance direction because I thought at least I'll have some more control over um, my career and and my yeah, life. So, um, and I, I mean, dark is probably quite an extreme term for it in a way. But I think I did struggle a bit with with the darkest moments because I think I've had lots of challenging moments. Um, but that was probably the most that could have taken me in a in a very in a direction that would have you know. Um, that could have changed the course of, of yeah
0: yeah in many ways you were forced yeah. to to think differently and go out and set up your own thing because the agency life assuming it was an agency that you were at just wasn't able to accommodate you as a mother right which is also yeah. not not yeah. great and that's probably still happening as well but great that you managed to forge out a different path which was equally as, as successful if not more
2: yeah is what is definitely what led me to Quiet Storm. I mean, I've Trevor founded the business sort of prior to me, but it did definitely brought us together in 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 the agency. I I went in to work on a pitch and kind of never left, and then that that was kind of it. So, but that wouldn't have happened had I not chosen that path, I guess. So it led to a good outcome. But but you know, I'm just when you just think about um, you know, I was pretty established at that point in my career. I you know I'd um, reached a decent level within an an industry but to feel like you're kind of done at the age of you know 35 uh, sort of still with still a long way to go potentially in terms of um development opportunities i think is is um is it's yeah it should that just shouldn't. it's very sad
1: isn't it it is very sad because the thing is as well is what you're saying you know these women would go have babies come back and then sort of quietly they disappear and if you don't have those visible strong mother female role models you begin either co- even it might even be unconscious yourself to think well this isn't the right place for me I can't see anyone like me it's it's not very um empowering is it or
2: well no I mean I mean things have changed a lot to be yeah. honest is like we're talking 15 well 17 years ago so things yeah. have moved on a lot so I can't say you know that I think there's you know um a different experience for female leaders now I mean it's still happening good but there is a different experience but I think it's absolutely that's what your this is why role modeling is so important because it is it's what you see that you go okay well that's my fate if you like or you know in a positive way or in a negative way and I certainly there was you know outside of just what I was seeing there was nothing explicitly said to me that other than what I was seeing happened before me that that led me to think, okay, this isn't... I can't get part, I can't... I'm not going to get the same opportunities as my male colleagues. I'm not going to thrive without making some serious sacrifices that I'm just not willing to make. Um, or or even, you know, even, even if... Despite, um, you know, despite even my um, willingness, I guess, to work um, in a certain way, it felt like those opportunities just were shut down to me because of just because of the yeah. tricks, having a family so I think that you know I'm glad to see that that isn't, that isn't for the most part the case it's with well, there's still work to be done around that because I think childcare is probably more of more can be more of a challenge more broadly these days seems to be uh, the big one at the moment yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah. but no well you've done some great work in this area of course with Wackle. Yeah.
2: yeah which is why you know I think for us the Wackle is so important because not only does it Provide role models, but it's also we're working really hard to also influence practices and behaviours within businesses that stop us losing these amazing, like these incredible women at certain points in their career. And certainly, maternity is one key area where we see a drop off. So, um, yeah, and that was my personal experience. So, um, yeah, okay. so it's good to be able to try and help the next, you know, help the, the next sort of generation of leaders not to have those sorts of experiences
1: we'd like to take a quick moment to thank one of our sponsors massive music is a global music agency and partner for some of the world's leading brands and agencies with 10 offices worldwide and over two decades of expertise they deliver everything you need in the field of music voice and sound from sonic branding and activations to music for commercials and licensing Just to name a few, Massive Music works with clients such as Heineken, Nike, The North Face, Philips and Colgate. They also provided the music for this very podcast. On top of being a lovely bunch, they're an official sound partner for brands on TikTok. And since 2021, they're part of SongTrader, the world's largest B2B music company. Their ultimate goal is to combine musical craft with strategy to elevate your project or campaign through the power of music in sound, which, if you ask us, is oh so needed in the advertising world of today. If you're interested, send an email to lovehatecreate at massivemusic.com so they know you came through us. Needless to say, they're
0: all ears. So, Ronnie, tell us... what you love and what you hate and what change you would create in this industry then and this is all through the lens of wanting to make sure that we have a successful future
2: I mean I I I still really love this industry I mean it's like it saddens me to be honest with you when you know when you know you you see that the trust levels in the industry are like i think we're like i think the last thing i saw was we're less trusted than politicians which is really like saddening isn't it? it's really like, like like you know and and but i i've still got so much energy and excitement for for the possibilities it's the possibilities of what we do if you think about you know we're we're you know potentially doing work that can can make people feel something can make people see things differently that can influence kind of people's attitudes behaviors it's an incredible privilege really and I just you know being able to sort of kind of inspire you know entertain you know make somebody feel something I still you know get so much sort of joy uh, you know often when we we, you know we did a uh, Trevor and I did a, a talk this morning with the sort of, uh, School of Communication Arts and we shared some work. And Just when you get that kind of laughter and reaction in the room, that that never fails to kind of make me feel really good. Or when people say, oh, you know, what do you do? And you say, oh, I work in advertising. And oh, well, do you, do you, do you know the Haribo ads? And people go, oh my God, I love those ads. I mean, that is how lovely is that to be working in an industry where you can do something that, you know, your average, like your stranger on the street can say oh my god I really love that and that made you know that made me really laugh it made me so I think that that's what we do at its best obviously that you know what I hate is the fact that people you know what the fact that we're not trusted the fact that people are trying to avoid the ads the fact that you know people switch off to, to what we're doing and you know, feel frustrated by, you know, the constant barrage of 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 communication that's being thrown at them. So that that for me is, you know, um really kind of disheartening. And I think trust mm-hmm. is the essence, the core heart of all of it in in truth. It's like it's such an important thing in our industry across the board, you know, whether it's the trust uh, the the relationship your client the client and agency have in terms of trust like the best work comes from a good relationship we all know that you know that you'll get the best work out of a, out of out of um, an agency if you if you trust them you know and 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 likewise if there's there's a trust uh, and an understanding between the agency and the client and you know very much about agency understanding the challenges that the client is living with as well and really kind of giving them reason to trust the agency as well, by really showing an understanding of, 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 the, of the challenges and, and the, um, you know, and helping them solve problems. And, um, so yeah, so the, the, there's a kind of trust thing there. There's the trust between the agency and, and their, their team and their staff, which is again, why the employee ownership for us was so important. It's that real, we're in this together. You know, we do ask a lot of our people, you know, there are times we're working weekends, there are times we're working late, but not, you know, not, Abusing that trust as well and recognising that, you know, what's a healthy level of, um, you know, what's healthy, what's what to expect from people and, and be sort of have that trust between um, employee, you know, well, you know, we're, we're partners in, in the agency, so I don't really like to use employee, but that that you're sort of respecting each other within the context of that. And there's a trust that comes with that as well. And then the trust between the advertiser and the consumer that you're 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 you're. Um, doing you're not sort of overstepping in a way and I know that obviously there's I love the fact that we've got access to so much more data and insight and routes to the consumer and all those things I think it's brilliant you know I'm not but it's it's knowing that we're making sure that we're not overstepping those boundaries um through those um through through those tools if you like and just remembering that the heart of what we do is to is to still emotionally connect with people um so I think that I think yeah that's that's but yeah no I think you've nailed
1: what a lot of people are thinking and saying at at the moment around this because trust is such a big issue right it is and we need to talk about it a bit because I see a lot of people lamenting a lack of trust in what people you know in in advertising and in the work that you're doing all of us are doing but are we doing enough to help ourselves there because everyone laments it but are we all doing enough to to make it better
2: i think to be honest with you i think we're all being challenged on so many levels and and the challenges come at uh at the economic societal yeah economic like level societal level kind of it's bigger often than than our clients it's bigger than us it's but but each thing impacts the other and I think particularly we've had a challenging few years. And prior to that, you know, I think I think where I started to see a big shift was after the financial crisis in 2008. I think we've we've struggled to sort of regain, um, kind of where the industry was, you know, prior to that, which is where there was people, you know, we would invest in 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 what we were doing, I guess. And then there's been loads of social kind of. Uh, economic pressures that have have sort of slowly chipped away um, you know the level of investment that goes into advertising and communication I don't mean necessarily even financial investment in truth I mean time I mean craft I mean some in some instances the financial investment as well because I think this whole mantra which I think you know stemmed from the 2008 Financial crisis or post two thousand and eight financial crisis around faster, better, cheaper. I think has done something to to kind of devalue and commoditize the work we're doing. Because I'm sorry, you can't have it cheaper, faster, and and better. Something you just can't. You might be able to have it cheaper and faster, but probably not better. So can't have all three. You can't have all three. I just I think we've created this mindset. That you can just chuff, chuck stuff out, you know. With, I think. Listen, you can be really creative with small budgets, and we have been. We work with a lot of not-for-profits. We've done a lot of, you know, stuff ourselves. That that you can be very, very creative with with not much. It's not about always wanting the huge budgets and the, but it's it's about you know understanding there's always a compromise to be had and the whole sort of cheaper, of, you know, those. So I think there's been. A lot of things that 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 we've done as an industry collectively and understandably with certain pressures that, that our clients are basing into, you know, so it, it it's a lot of it is understandable. But I think my view would be would be to to sort of focus on doing less, more impactfully than doing lots, you know. And I think yeah, I think fewer better.
1: Fewer better. Maybe that better, should be and, the new mantra: fewer better. Yeah cheap G-
2: yeah oh, Better, no yeah. <laughs> you're better. Right. No. You better more expensive yeah well you know what to be honest, if you do less you know if you do less more powerful more effective it's yeah. all about an investment i think that's the other thing it's like is it people see like instead of seeing it as an investment they're seeing it as a cost to the business as well and that's where it's kind of going wrong because if you can if you understand that if you invest you're going to get a return then you're going to invest you know and i think it's become this mindset of a cost to business versus an investment in the business in the brand um and also you know a recognition that you know that um there's going to be stuff of course you know we'd expect to do communication see an immediate impact and you know i would i'd be dissatisfied with the piece of work that we put out the way we didn't see an immediate impact but also recognizing that there's a long longer term investment that goes on as well that that needs to be considered within the context of that and it's you can't just go out and do one piece of activity and think that's that's kind of job done so i think it is it's finding that balance between um investing in the right things in the right way um to get that kind of the kind of return so it stops feeling like a cost and starts feeling like an investment it's,
0: it's quality over quantity isn't it to so sum it all up yeah if we absolutely. if we take your um kind of timeline from the financial crisis onwards which is when my career started lucky me um i suppose technology has had a massive role in the evolution of advertising from yeah. that point and from before then i'm sure as well but from that point until now things have got a lot more complicated haven't they and yeah. do you think and tell us how the conversations you're having with clients go about this how, do you think that the the plethora of options that are now at a marketer's disposal are what prevent us from, or prevent them from getting that quantity versus quantity balance right.
2: I mean, to, to to me, technology has always just been a facilitator, hasn't it? And I think it's when the tech takes over the human experience, and I think that's something that Apple got right all way back, isn't it? Like it, it's a, it was about creating a better human experience, you know, and I think for me, that's the way we need to see tech is is how do you deliver a better sort of human experience, you know, from f- from your comms. So I'm you know, I'm all for and very embracing of of tech if it's doing that. Um, I think um, I think sometimes we can get so excited with like shiny new toys, new, Kind of technologies that it becomes about clever use of tech rather than the human experience that that is being you know delivered if you like so i think that's where it goes a bit wrong for me and i think sometimes you see you know these really clever pieces of kind of communicate and what's clever about it is how they've used the tech or how they but but actually with the output leaves you a bit cold um, yeah so that's where it goes wrong for me is like you've got to still think about the human experience at the end of it. If technology has been part of delivering that, whether it's through the the great data insight that you might get from it or through the the route to or the you know the the, the kind of timed kind of targeted, contextualized, whatever it is that that tech's providing, it ultimately it's still got to deliver a better human experience that that you know inspires and all the fundamentals haven't changed isn't it is we're still trying to move still trying to capture hearts minds but you know change behavior none of that has changed so to me it's just how those how technology is aiding that uh, yeah yeah losing sight of it so yeah how it can like augment what you're already doing right but i I agree i think
1: it's like there's so much tech for the sake of tech yeah clever uses of tech. tech Exactly. To try and win awards, or to try, you know, it, it's it like you say, it can leave it can leave you feeling a bit cold, can't it? Because you're like, wow, yeah. this is very clever, but yeah. actually, <laughs> yeah, it
2: nothing to it me emotionally. Doing? Yeah, we're still trying yeah. to like we're emotional beings. That's not changed our evolution. You know, processes, century, century, like we we fundamentally we we still all that you know we, we're driven by pre prehist- like you know prehistoric stuff. So fundamentally, as human beings, it we are still. um doesn't matter how much tech's moved on we haven't as humans haven't moved on at the rate that tech's moved on so all those fundamental principles about connecting on an emotional level in a human all those things are still the same so i think sometimes that that can get lost in in you know in the excitement of using new shiny new toys and you know
0: yeah so tell us what you would change then what's 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 something that you'd create and and do differently?
2: Well, I mean, I think, you know, for us, a lot of the work that we're doing with Create Not Hate, I guess, is about kind of, you know, connecting with real people in the real world, you know, with original ideas. Um, I don't know if that's about change as such. I guess it is in the sense of making sure that we maintain that originality and surprising element to the industry which you know, for us, comes from people that think differently, and you know, this is stuff that we're all talking about. So I'm not saying anything new, but I think it's making sure that we're, you know, not losing sight of that. I think sometimes we get caught up on, in what what feels like the right thing to do, or well, we've got to get our diversity numbers up because we're getting, you know, but I, but it's all about coming up with original ideas that connect with real people. So it's it's making sure that that you know we don't forget that and it's it's about making sure that we're bringing people in and creating environments where they can be who they are because that's why you're bringing them in to bring something fresh and different and not come in and just become you know part of whatever that kind of cultural thinking is or or uh, mindset is within within the agency so it, i'm not saying anything new i guess but i get um but i i guess it's just making sure that we we keep challenging ourselves mm-hmm. to meet no and Fresh and yeah and and kind of not go through the motions of just getting work out, um yeah, which I think can happen when you're under pressure, and it can happen, you know we all we we all understand and know and want you know to do the right thing, but I think when we're under pressure, that's when we get into kind of habitual behavior and you know auto patterns oh, yeah. happens, and things just become. You want stuff that you want to just operate in a way that's shortcut and easy, and they tend to be the familiar, well trodden, you know, um, ways of doing things. So i just challenging myself to be original and, yeah. and
1: keep. And Ronnie, stuff. yeah, I think that's a really good point. But you, you strike me, you know, you talked a lot about trust as being quite like refreshingly honest. Do you have these honest conversations with your clients? around trust around when you don't agree with something when you think they're going the wrong way when you think they're picking up you know do
2: you have these conversations do we need to have more of them yeah I mean I think to be honest with you I think we are probably quite self-selecting as an agency in a way we attract a certain type of client in all honesty and I think you kind of do You, you 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 kind of because of the industry so much around chemistry, meet- like you think about winning a piece of business, you've got your chemistry meetings and you've got your tissue meetings, and you've got all your... We tend to attract a certain type of client and they're like-minded clients because we've got such a distinctive sort of way of doing things and a very strong set of values and a really strong set that we tend to attract a certain type of client, a client that wants to, you know, do surprising work that just, you know shakes up the, the kind of status quo of, of the category and that wants to do things and usually they tend to be quite creatively confident clients um that, that kind of want to be challenged in that way so i think it definitely helps um if you've just got like-minded you know yeah i think i think i do think probably agencies with strong um points of view will 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 attract like-minded Client, so it makes it a lot easier um, but obviously you know length of relationship proven track record that always helps you know once you've done a yes. piece of work for a client and it's been you know unbelievably successful that that trust is earned isn't it and you know it does it does help that you know you, you need to deliver you need to do great work you need to earn that trust so for us we find that those relationships get stronger and stronger over time once you once you've proven you know so yeah it's um But it does help if you're at least on the same page at the beginning. You've at least got the same ambitions. Um, That definitely helps.
0: Absolutely. And an excellent note to end on. Thank you very much, Rania. That's been really, really interesting. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on how Create Not Hate uh, progressing and of course Quiet Storm as well in the future.
2: Thank you. Thanks,
1: Rania.